Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, August 31st, 2017, and later today, tonight to be exact, the Green Bay Packers will be at Lambeau Field to host the Los Angeles Rams for their fourth and final exhibition game of this training camp season. It will be a huge game for a lot of the young players, both draft picks and undrafted rookies, trying to make lasting impressions on the coaching staff, the scouting department, and of course, General Manager Ted Thompson. And after the game ends, it kicks off a wild three-day process here in Green Bay. Almost immediately upon the game ending, there will be members of the scouting department that start watching film right away. They will watch film all night on Thursday. They'll watch film Friday during the day. They'll probably start to make some of their cuts on Friday. And then, of course, by 3 p.m. Central, I think it is, or maybe 4 p.m., p.m. Central on Saturday. The Packers need to have trimmed their roster from 90 all the way down to 53. And then on Sunday, they'll spend all day signing players to the practice squad so that by Monday morning, they should have 63 guys, 10 on the practice squad, 53 on the regular roster. And that will be the group that carries forward into next week against the Seattle Seahawks, in week one of the regular season. My name is Michael Cohen, and this is the Packers Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As I mentioned, the Packers will be on the field later tonight, and Tom Silverstein and I will be staying up late again to give you a recap of the final game for first thing Friday morning, and we're also going to share our predictions for the 53-man roster. He'll have his set of 53 guys, I'll have my set of 53 guys, We'll discuss, we'll analyze, we'll debate, and you can listen to that on your way to work Friday morning. So, this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter because we've gone through just about everything over the course of the last couple of weeks, and really what I'm going to focus on today is the piece of news that happened yesterday afternoon, and that was outside linebacker Ahmad Brooks agreeing to a one-year contract with the Green Bay Packers. So let's start with this. Who is Ahmad Brooks? Well, Ahmad Brooks is a player that has spent the majority of his career with the San Francisco 49ers. He is a guy who has played at a very, very high level for portions of his career. He was twice named to the AP Second Team All-Pro, and in 2013, not only was he named to the AP Second Team All-Pro, but he also made the Pro Bowl. And if you go back and look at some of his numbers... He began his career with the Cincinnati Bengals in 06 and 07, didn't play very much. In 08, he joined the 49ers and didn't play at all. And then from 2009 to 2016, he was one of the steadiest, most consistent outside linebackers in the game, to be honest with you. Look at his numbers going up from 2009 to 16 in terms of sacks per season. Six. 5, 7, 6.5, 6, 6.56. He has not had fewer than six sacks since 2007, and that's the type of production that the Packers would absolutely love. On top of that, he's been extremely, extremely durable, and that is really, really important. You look at Ahmad Brooks in 2016 in terms of the regular season, all 16 games. In 2015, 14 games. 2013, 13 games. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, let me start again. 2016, 16 games. 2015, 14 games. 2014, 13 games. And then in 2013, 12 and 11, he played all 16 games. So you're talking about a guy that since 2011 has missed 
five regular season games. The Packers would kill for that from Clay Matthews or Nick Perry, but the bottom line is they're not going to get it. And so Ahmad Brooks is a guy that had to be signed as long as he and his agent were not totally unreasonable with the terms of the contract. So now let's talk about the contract. I mentioned it was a one-year deal, and it's essentially the same type of structure that they used with Nick Perry last year. Uh, Nick Perry's rookie contract had expired, and rather than give him a big, fat contract extension, since he hadn't showed very much, since he was hurt, since he was up and down, they essentially gave him a one-year prove-it deal, which was one year, $5 million, and they basically said, okay, Nick, go out, do your worst, do your best, and whatever the results are, we'll figure out what your market is after that. And of course, it turned out that Nick Perry had a massive market. Uh, he had the best season of his career. And in the end, it ended up turning into a five-year, $60 million contract that contained $18.5 million signing bonus. And so it obviously worked out for him. Now, Ahmad Brooks is obviously in a little bit of a different position. When you look at Brooks, he is a guy that is 33 years old and turned 33 earlier this year. So clearly that's a huge difference between him and Nick Perry because Nick Perry is a guy that is much, much younger. He's still in his 20s. He's still a guy that is right in the prime of his career and could certainly become a major, major factor uh, for the next five, six, seven, eight seasons if he continues to play well for the Packers. At 33, Brooks has to be considered on the tail end of his career. You know, I know Julius Peppers is still going strong at 38 or whatever he is now, which is just unbelievable. But Peppers is one of the rarest physical specimens I've ever seen in my entire career covering sports, whether it's college sports, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, whatever you want to call it. I've never quite seen a guy like him. Um, he is blessed with some of the greatest genetics that you could ever imagine. This is a guy that's played in the NFL for, you know, 15 plus years. He's never broken a bone. He's never had a concussion. And I'm just going to double check this because I want to make sure I get it right. But his durability, much like Brooks, is unparalleled. I'm looking at the numbers now. Julius Pepper started his career in 2002. And since then, he's missed a total of four, six, six regular season games since 2002. I'll repeat that. Julius Peppers has missed six regular season games since 2002. That is unbelievable. There will never be another player like that in our lifetimes. And I'm not saying that Julius Peppers is the greatest defensive end or outside linebacker in the history of the world, because he's not. But what I'm talking about is a guy that can be the former number one overall pick that can play an extremely physical position and lasts 15 years in the league while missing only six games. It's unbelievable. It's unparalleled. It's unimaginable. Why do I go on and on about Julius Peppers? Well, because Brooks has the type of durability that the Packers just cannot get with Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. All during OTAs, it was Matthews and Perry need to stay healthy. All during training camp, it was Matthews and Perry need to stay healthy. Well, where do we stand now? We haven't even reached the fourth exhibition game, and Matthews and Perry are already hurt. They're already missing practice, and they both dropped out of the most recent game in Denver. The bottom line is that those guys 
just cannot be counted on for any sort of long-term reliability. That's why it's so important for the Packers to have depth at that position, and that's why so many words and so many minutes on this podcast have been dedicated to wondering, exploring, and probing about why the Packers have so little depth behind them. It's pretty simple. Um, So where does Brooks fit into this? Well, uh, first let me finish up on the contract. Sorry, I jumped around there for a minute. So essentially, Brooks agreed to a one-year deal worth $3.5 million, according to NFL Network. And with incentives and things like that, it could be worth up to $5 million. So let's assume that he makes the most, just for you know the sake of argument. In that situation, they essentially gave him the exact same contract that they offered Nick Perry. So what does that tell you? It tells you one of two things. It tells you first that they definitely believe Brooks still has something in the tank. You don't give a 33-year-old pass rusher that has never played for your team a $5 million one-year deal if you don't think that he's going to at least give you something over the course of the season. You would not dedicate that much money to a guy at that age, especially one that you're totally unfamiliar with. What else does it tell you? Well, it, it, it reeks of desperation. That's the best way to put it. If you are counting on a guy that was released by the San Francisco 49ers and you have to bring him from California to Wisconsin and you sign him within 36 hours of meeting him and having him in your building and this guy is going to go from on the street to your number three outside linebacker and you're giving him $5 million, that shows you just how dire of a situation this is for the Packers. He will fit in as the number three outside linebacker the minute he steps on the field in Green Bay. You'll still have Matthews and Perry number one, but Derek Brooks immediately surpasses Kyler Fackrell, immediately surpasses J. Ron Elliott, and immediately surpasses Vince Beagle, even if he was healthy. So now you're talking about instead of having a big two with some significant injury concerns, you now have a quote-unquote big three with two guys behind him that the coaches say that they believe in, in Fackrell and Elliott, and now it's just a matter of producing. So it's a really interesting situation. And, you know, I had no idea if they were going to actually sign him. I assumed that they would. And so on, what's today, Wednesday? On Tuesday, um, I spoke to outside linebackers coach Winston Moss. We all spoke to him, and I asked him, you know, I don't know if, if Ahmad Brooks is going to sign here. I know that's above your pay grade. You don't make those decisions. But obviously, you've coached against the guy a few times. I'm sure you've seen film of him in your years as an assistant coach here in Green Bay. What type of a player is he? And Moss paused for a few seconds and then gave an answer that was about as big of an endorsement to sign this guy as you could possibly imagine. And I'm going to read it to you. Quote, tough, tough, physically imposing, a rusher can play very, very well versus the run, can play stout versus the tight end. He can do everything that we would ask him to do in our scheme. He can play to the tight end side. He can play to the open end side. He can play the outside linebacker. He can play the elephant. If he were to be placed on our roster, however that decision goes down, he could come right in and fit right in. End quote. That is, when it comes to the Packers, a team that does not like to talk about its free agent business, a team that does not like to discuss potential targets on other teams, that is as strong of an endorsement as you will possibly get. And again, what does that tell you? Well, number one, it tells you that Moss definitely believes that Brooks still has something in the tank. You do not go out there 
and blow that much smoke if you don't think that this guy can deliver. Because if he doesn't deliver, Moss is going to hear about it all season long. What else does it tell you? Well, it tells you the same thing that I mentioned earlier, that Moss is desperate to get somebody else that he can work with. He's got Matthews. He's got Perry. He's got nobody else. And so he needs Brooks, and he got Brooks. And so now he has three guys that he can, in theory, count on every single week to at least give them consistent production. Whether that's Pro Bowl production or All-Pro production, that's yet to be seen. But he at least has three guys that he can throw out there and say, all right, I know what I've got in these guys. I can dedicate a lot of my time to trying to develop the two players behind them because these three guys are either at the peak or beyond the peak of their careers, and so they know how to take care of themselves. Now, another thing that's really interesting is what Moss said about Vince Beagle. So Beagle, of course, was the fourth-round pick earlier this year from Wisconsin, the only outside linebacker that the Packers drafted, which was a little bit of a surprise. And at this point, it seems almost a certainty that Beagle will begin the season on the PUP list. He's on the PUP list now. The Packers have not activated him. And if they were to activate him, this guy has practiced for about two hours of his entire professional career back in May before injuring his foot, needing surgery, and he hasn't been on the field since. And so all conventional wisdom leads you to believe he's going to begin on the PUP, which means that he misses at least the first six games, and then the Packers have a window in which to activate him. And if they don't activate him, if he's still not ready, he would then be placed on injured reserve. Obviously, they expect Beagle to be ready, but Winston Moss was asked essentially, If, for the sake of argument, Beagle is placed on the 53 Saturday by Ted Thompson, how in the world do you get this guy ready, and how quickly can you get him ready to play, given that not only is he a rookie and he's totally inexperienced in this system with two hours of field work in his whole career, but it's a guy that hasn't done anything in in three months. He's so out of shape. He's got to get way back into football shape, and it's just a huge, huge task for Moss, and he was asked about that, and I want to read you that quote as well. Essentially, the question was, how big of a challenge is it to get this guy ready to play? And Moss said, quote, major challenge, major challenge. I guess you guys have to see it from my end or see it from the perspective of if Vince Beagle was to be placed on the 53 and we were in position to get him ready to play, he would only be placed in situations where he could, at best, put himself in position to help the team. He wouldn't be called upon to do something out of his range, out of his comfort zone, something that's not that he's not ready for. We're not going to ask him to do anything that he cannot do before he's ready to. We would all love for him to be in-game ready, be in season-ready condition, but that's not the case. But we'll take it a day at a time. We'll take it a week at a time and whatever it takes. If he's on the 53, we'll work with whatever process and whatever measures it's going to take for him to evolve into getting into condition, getting into shape, getting his techniques honed down. Or if he's put on the PUP, we'll deal with that as it comes. We're going to coach the guys that we have right now and Vince, even though he wants to get out there, I want him get out I want him to get out there and you guys want him to get out there, I hope. We'll just take it as it comes. So what does that tell you? First of all, I think it tells you that 
you know, Moss fully expects this guy to be placed on PUP. If it's going to be that much of a challenge to get him ready to play in any sort of a timely manner, it doesn't make sense to handcuff the position that way and keep a guy on the roster that is essentially not going to be ready to contribute for three or four weeks if you could put him on PUP and he's only going to be out six weeks. You know, is there an overlap there? No, you're going to be three weeks longer without him if you put him on PUP. But the bottom line is that it's going to take him so long to be ready to contribute from scrimmage that I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. Could Ted put him on the 53? Sure. I just don't see it at this point. And so I think you're going to go into the season with Ted having to make a choice between five or six outside linebackers. As I've mentioned, and I know I'm running through this for about the fifth time, you've got Perry, Matthews, Brooks, Fackrell, Elliott. All those guys are locks to make the team. Of those guys, right now Matthews is dealing with some tightness in his groin, Nick Perry is dealing with an ankle problem, and J. Ron Elliott has been dealing with back spasms that caused him to drop out of the game against Denver and the two prior practices last week. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And then Ted has to make a choice. With the health of those guys, with the talent of those guys, with the durability of those guys, Does he feel comfortable going into the regular season with only them, just five? Or does he want a sixth outside linebacker? Before we discuss who that might be, let's take a look at what they've done in the last two seasons since I joined uh, the coverage here for the Journal Sentinel. If you go back to last year, uh, excuse me, if you go back to, yeah, 2016, last year, you had Julius Peppers, Dayton Jones, Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, Kyler Fackrell, and J. Roan Elliott all playing at least 136 snaps last season. You had your four main guys, your big four, as uh, as uh, Winston Moss called it, of Peppers, Jones, Matthews, and Perry. Those guys played all over 479 snaps. And then you had Fackrell and Elliott pulling up the rear, both 161 or less. Now go back two years to my first season, 2015. You had Matthews, Mike Neal, Julius Peppers, J. Roan Elliott, Nick Perry, all playing 174 snaps or more. But the problem was they only had five outside linebackers. Perry and the other guys at the top, Peppers, Neal, and Matthews, all played 350 snaps, and Peppers, Matthews, and Neal all played 700 snaps. But Elliott was at 174, and they didn't have a sixth. I think, based on the way things played out last season, and this is just a hunch, I've never asked Dom Capers about this, but I think he really liked having six guys, because he does not do a whole ton of mixing and matching, at least from what I've seen. So last year... You had Matthews and Perry as your first string always, or almost always. You had Peppers and Jones as your second string always, or almost always. And those two groups of two, those four guys, rotated constantly throughout the game, but it was two and two, two and two. There wasn't a ton of mixing and matching. And then you had your threes, which were Fackrell and Elliott, and those guys played together and stayed together, and played significantly fewer reps, but in the same proportion. So I think that Capers really liked that. I think he liked having three groups of two. 
The decision is not up to Capers about which guys they keep on the roster. But I think if he had his druthers, they would have six players to start the season. So, let's look at this both ways. If Beagle is on the 53, you have Matthews and Perry, 1 and 2. You have Elliott and Brooks, 3 and 4. You have Fackrell and Beagle, 5 and 6, with Beagle not likely to contribute for the next few weeks. If Beagle starts on the 53, then what do they do if they decide to go with six outside linebackers? I think it's Reggie Gilbert. So then you have Matthews and Perry, 1 and 2. You have Brooks and Elliott, 3 and 4. And you have Fackrell and Gilbert, 5 and 6. Gilbert was an undrafted free agent last year who spent the entire season on the practice squad. And him and Fackrell have been taking reps as the starter, as the starters this week in practice because Elliott, Matthews, and Perry are all out with injury. So it is a tricky situation for them. None of the injuries are expected to be long-term or severe, and all those guys are expected to be available for the season opener. But nonetheless, at the position where the two most important guys have health concerns, they couldn't even make it through training camp without picking up the initial bumps and bruises that inevitably will happen over the course of a football season. So, considering everything that I just told you, the biggest thing to pay attention to later tonight when the Packers play the Rams is Reggie Gilbert. This guy was put in a very difficult situation when the Packers decided to sign Brooks. If they did not sign Brooks, I think Reggie Gilbert was almost a lock to make the team because he was essentially the fifth outside linebacker with Beagle unable to contribute. Matthews Perry, Fackrell Elliott, and then Gilbert. Even if they decided to keep six, they would have Gilbert would have to be one of them, and then it would either be Beagle or probably Jonathan Calvin, the undrafted rookie from Mississippi State. But now with Brooks in the picture, Gilbert's status on the team, in my opinion, comes down to Vince Beagle. If Vince Beagle starts on the PUP, I think Gilbert makes the team as long as he doesn't trip over himself against the Rams. If Beagle starts on the 53, I think Gilbert gets the short end of the stick, gets cut, and then it's a matter of whether or not he clears waivers. My guess is that he would clear waivers, in which case the Packers could put him back on the practice squad, but you never know. He's had an okay exhibition season. He's played pretty good in some of the games. And if he can put together a real strong performance against the Rams, who knows? Maybe somebody that doesn't have a lot of pass rush would take a chance at him, knowing that he's been with the Packers for a full year. He was the next guy off the 53, if you will. And maybe that gets him gets him on a, on a roster somewhere. But that's the guy to keep an eye on. If he comes out and really plays his tail off, boy, that puts Ted Thompson in an interesting position. If he comes out and lays an egg, it does not make it that difficult for Ted. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. And you kind of feel bad for the kid because, you know, if it wasn't for bringing in a 33-year-old veteran that was cut by another team because Matthews and Perry got injured and J. Ron Elliott had back spasms, Reggie Gilbert makes the team. That's a lot of things to not go his way within the span of the last five days here. So you kind of feel bad for him, but that's the nature of the business. He can still go out and play his tail off tomorrow. And remember, not only are these guys auditioning for the Packers, they're auditioning for the personnel departments of every team around the league that spend hours and hours and hours watching exhibition tape from everybody else in the NFL because they need to see which guys to keep an eye on. They need to make their lists of which practice squad guys are going to be worth grabbing off somebody else's team and promoting to the 53. And they're going to look at guys that they might want to claim on waivers. So 
Gilbert needs to play his tail off, and, and then he'll still have a chance at making the team. So that's all I've got for you on the outside linebackers. That's all that can possibly be said on the outside linebackers at this point. It is what it is. This is the last podcast uh, that I will do solo before the start of the regular season. As I mentioned, Tom and I will be staying up late tonight after the Rams and Packers to put out Friday's podcast. It'll be ready first thing in the morning, just like normal. It'll be a breakdown of the game, also coupled with our predictions for the 53-man roster. And then, of course, cutdowns will begin later in the day tomorrow, carry on through Saturday. The practice squad will be formed on Sunday. And Monday morning, if McCarthy holds to his previous schedules, the practice will be excuse me, the Packers will be on the field for their first regular season practice of the 2017 season. Be sure to check out all our coverage on jsonline.com and packersnews.com. My name is Michael Cohen, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know you like that. You know you like that. See, I rep the most high. Still, I'm the most fly. I went so much they wanna know who I'm coached by.